I am Lisa of Two Sober Chicks, part of the dynamic duo known as Julie and Lisa, who bring you our regular podcast. This is our speaker series edition where we borrow guests from the home group AA Solution Seekers online. Please enjoy. This morning, we are going to hear a speaker share for 45 minutes on their experience, strength, and hope what they are like, what happened, and what they are like today as a result of the program of action found in the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, we will, Bell will finish at 7.55, and we'll give you a reminder with five minutes. Um, so uh, AA Solution Seekers would like to welcome Bell C., and um, I can't wait to hear what you have to say and get to know you a little bit better. It's going to be an amazing share. So let's give Bill a warm welcome. Oh, my goodness. All right. Thank you so much, Casey. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for being here. My name is Bell, and I am a grateful recovering alcoholic. Um, whew, well, where to begin? So. Pardon me, I'm a little nervous, but um, so I want to start by giving a just a quick brief history of my early childhood. Um, my share today is definitely not about my blindness, but I want to give you a quick history so that you know where I'm coming from. Um, I was born totally blind. Uh, in July of 78. And um, uh, two years in, I had two corneal transplants. The, uh, after the second corneal transplant, I um, had the, the surgery was successful and I had 2020 vision for uh, probably three or four, three or four years or so. I obviously don't remember that time as a young child. Um, but then I unfortunately developed uh, glaucoma and uh, due to many surgeries as a kid, um, I lost a huge portion of my sight and, um, and hence now I am legally blind. I do have some sight, not very much. Uh, so that's just a brief history of my blindness so that you know where I'm going from this point forward. Um, as a kid growing up in a rural town in North Carolina, um, most schools were not equipped or prepared to uh, deal with a child with a uh, disability that of blindness. So my parents um, were very strong advocates for me and fought for me to remain in a public school with my peers uh, instead of being shipped off to a school for the blind. Um, and the, I think that was part of the beginning of my independence. Uh, my mother is, is today still a very strong uh, reason why I am independent. She taught me that I needed to do things the way that sighted people do them. Um, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, I was treated just like any other kid. I grew up, I rode bikes with my cousins. I 
skated. I did all those things, had the fun times, never let my uh, blindness get in my way. Um, and, but having said that, um, how that relates to my alcohol, my start with alcoholism, since I have been in this program, I have learned to go back in history of my, my family history and pretty much determine where it all started for me. Um, when I first came to this program, I thought it started four years ago. Um, that's when I was drinking the most. And But being in this program and hearing the stories of others and um, reading the big book and other material, I've since learned that my alcoholism started way many years before that. Um, as a kid, some of my first signs um, of the character defects of alcoholism were insecurity and um, just feeling like I needed to fit in with others. Uh, and I think part of that was due to my mother's strong, um, her strong influence in saying, you have to do things a certain way, just like your sighted peers. And so I often thought, well, I'm not doing good enough. Um, and I always often compared myself to my peers, to other people. And, you know, obviously then I did not know that was uh, a character defect in alcoholism, but that's uh, in the beginning, that's how uh, it started for me. And um, so <clears throat> in those early years, I went through um, elementary school, middle school, high school, and I was what you would <clears throat> probably consider one of the good kids. I rarely got into trouble. I didn't, you know, I was a church going kid. Uh, Grew up here in the South, so, you know, with my mother, it was expected that I attend church every Sunday um, and every Wednesday. Uh, my father, on the other hand, was not a churchgoer. In fact, um, my father drank uh, heavily for the first 10 years of my life that I remember. Um, and I came from a, my mom came from a family of 14 brothers and sisters. And most of her siblings drank as well. They were all alcoholics. They, you know, by those those standards of, of that time, no one would have said that. They would not have considered themselves alcoholics, but they were. They uh, drank heavily every single day, day in, day out. Um, and so growing up, I saw those things. I witnessed my uncles, especially, who were very abusive to their wives, to their children, um, physically and emotionally, verbally abusive to them. And I remember spending time with cousins and my uncles would come home and they were drunk and I would be so scared. And I used to think, you know, when I grow up, I'm never going to be like them. What an asshole. What a jerk. Um, I don't want to be like someone like that. Um, and 
<clears throat> growing up, I just vowed that that wasn't going to happen. So through my high school years, I um, I didn't drink. I honestly did not have my first drink until I was 21 years old. Um, I was working at that time at a camp for blind adults. And the uh, my friends there decided, you know, we should take you out for your birthday let's celebrate and you know I was like you know this this is great they're going to take me to a club you know and <laughs> get to, to do all the crazy things that 21 year olds do and um, so before we even went to this club they stopped off at a convenience store and I remember drinking the most disgusting thing ever Boone's Farm and that but at that time, I didn't care. You know, it was, I wanted to fit in. I was, you know, with friends and we go to this club. And of course, at that point, by that point, I'm already to just well on my way to being just uh, drunk. And uh, needless to say, that was a my first blackout. Um, and after that, I you know, through the years, I had many more of those, um, but they were not, they were sporadic. Um, I could drink at times with friends and have a few drinks and, and that was it. And so for me, that was social drinking. Um, I was just being a typical young person in my 20s and having fun with friends and going to parties. Oh my gosh, the, the college parties where we just drank all night. and But one thing I never did, I couldn't drink two nights in a row. So I knew I wasn't an alcoholic. You know, I'm like, I, I can do this once a month or whatever. And that's pretty much how my life went in my early 20s. Um, I then, let me slow down just a minute. <laughs> I then... Um, I met the person uh, in 2003. I met the person who would become the love of my life. Um, and we were together for 12 years. When we first met, he was sighted. Uh, he had some vision problems, but he was still able to drive. Um, and we just instantly connected. Um, but then two years into our relationship, he um, developed a tumor. And um, he had surgery. And I remember staying in the hospital with him. And when he woke up from surgery, and they took the, uh, he had a tumor between his eyes, basically. So he, um, when he woke up and they took the bandages off, he was in darkness. He couldn't see. And for me, that, you know, I grew up having vision problems. I grew up blind. But watching someone else lose their sight overnight um, was heartbreaking. And um, so moving on, you know, he 
we we helped him myself and many others helped him to try to adjust and uh, get accustomed to uh, what it's like to live as a blind person and you know he succeeded in a lot of ways but other ways he did not I think he never got past it so um, he also had other health conditions that developed over the years we were not married we did not get married until 2012 but we've been together since 2003 and so once he lost his sight, um, I pretty much took it upon myself to help him as much as I could. And there were times it was pretty stressful and um, I would drink. I started drinking at that time and uh, I, I don't know that I drank that much, but I, I drank enough to where I felt like it became a problem. And remember being at a party at my sister's house and she, I got pretty drunk that night. As a matter of fact, they had several parties. And every time I went to one of those parties, I ended up, you know, in a blackout. And uh, the last time it happened, I, um, she told me, you can never come back to my house if you're going to continue drinking like that. And so, you know, like I said, I didn't do it every single day. So I didn't know. I like, no, okay, fine. I can stop. And I did. Uh, I stopped drinking for about seven years. I actually started attending a church, a uh, very small church. Um, <clears throat> my husband and I started attending that church and uh, just, you know, my life changed. Uh, but in the meantime, he continued to get sicker and sicker. He, uh, his health condition con continued to decline. And we lived alone, um, you know, uh, <laughs> despite what the rumors say, blind people can live alone and take care of themselves. So we lived alone um, and we had, you know, family and friends that would do things for us, help us when we needed it. But as his condition began to decline, I was still his main caretaker. And um, even though we were still attending this church, I started feeling alone. You could be, you can feel alone even when you're living with someone. And uh, I really didn't have anyone to talk to because he, his condition just, uh, we could have conversations, but other times he was just so sick that, you know, I, the only friends I had were the ones I talked to on the phone. And so it got to the point where I, you know, picked up the bottle, started drinking again, um, but it was very infrequent. Um, but then, in 2015, um, he had a grand mal seizure, which left him in ICU for a week. And after that, it was determined by doctors and 
I knew long before, but hearing the doctor say it, you know, they, they said, he needs help. You can't take care of him anymore. You've done all you can do. And we had to make that decision for him to go to a nursing home. And um, for me, that was one of the most devastating things of my life. Um, not only did I have to tell the person I love they couldn't come home anymore, I also had to, we also had to get a divorce because of health insurance in this country and not allowing people to, you know, well, I don't have to go into that, but um, yeah, we, that was the only way that he could get any medical assistance in the nursing home facility is to, for us to get divorced. And um, we did that. But I remember the first day we took him to the nursing home and I, we walked out of, we walked out of there and he knew he wasn't coming home. And my mother said to me, he had tears in his eyes. And I know she meant well by just letting me know, but that devastated me to my core. And I went home that day and I called a friend, I said, I need alcohol. Let's, you know, I need to take my mind off the pain. And so that, that continued, that trend continued. Um, every time I would visit him in the nursing home, I would come home feeling so upset, so defeated, so worthless, because I felt like I could, I let him down. And I would drink. And, um, I, you know, like I said, this was 2015. So I had a, had a idea that a few months after he was in the nursing home, I was going to have throw this huge party and just celebrate, you know, try to get my mind off the bad stuff. And I invited some friends over. And I thought they were coming to drink and have a good time. And I noticed a few of them refused to drink. And I said, what's going on? And they finally said, we need to talk to you. We've noticed you've been drinking more lately. And, um, you know, we're worried about you because we know you're going through a tough time. And if you continue this way, it's not going to be good. And I just lost it. I said, you don't understand what I'm going through. Uh, but basically, that was an intervention from them. And I told them, I said, I'm fine. I'm, I'm okay. And at that point, I vowed, you know, I'll slow down. I won't drink as much. And I did. Um, for the longest time, I didn't drink uh much at all you know I, I would stop at two or three drinks here and there um but my husband passed away 2016 um and of course i picked up again started drinking again and uh, moving forward um 
I met another guy and uh, we ended up getting together because he was the one who pretty much stopped me from drinking anymore. You know, he, he was there for me, encouraged me, and I felt like I had that support. And I also felt like I was loved again, um, that I had someone there. Um, and the first few years were pretty good. Um, <clears throat> but in 2020, um, things started going downhill. I decided that I wanted to apply, or actually I wanted to attend a program that, uh, it was assistive technology program, which basically I went to school to earn my certification in teaching people who are blind or visually impaired how to use uh, technology to further help them with their independence. Um, and I went through the program and uh, spent a lot of time in my office, on my computer, didn't spend a lot of time with my partner and um, long story short, you know, we, we grew apart. Um, a lot of things happened and uh, I started drinking again because while I was in that program, um, we had to give speeches and also um, it, was, it was required for graduation. We had to have so many hours of teaching and presentations and I'm like, oh my God, I can't do that. I, you know, drinking was my answer. It was my answer to everything. Any emotions I felt, that was my answer. And so I remember hiding bottles of alcohol in my office so that no one would see them. And when I would have to give presentations, I would go in, you know, 30 minutes or so before and I would have a couple of shots. I would have you know, and thankfully <laughs> I wasn't drunk by the end of it, but I I had just enough to have that liquid courage to keep, to keep going. And um, so I got through the program, um, graduated, got my certification, and I um, was looking for work couldn't really find anything because of COVID and uh, just so many obstacles. Um, so I, I got involved with an organization for the blind called the American Council of the Blind uh, as a volunteer, which I still do today. And um, just what an amazing organization it is. Um, but I got involved and I did an internship in the organization for a bit, uh, for about three months. And that was amazing. It opened up so many doors for me to meet other blind and visually impaired people that needed help, but also those others who worked alongside me that served 
and helping others as well. And I met so many wonderful friends. Um, a few of them are here today. And um, I did that internship, but then they they were looking for an assistant uh, administrator, and I decided to volunteer or to apply for that job. And in the meantime, while I applied for that job, I was still having a lot of emotional things going on at home uh, with my partner, with others, um, my family. My mother and I were not getting along. And so, you know, when I would feel some sort of emotion that I didn't like or that made me uncomfortable, I was drinking. And so um, when I applied for that position and did not get it, I I was crushed, and uh, you know in that in that moment I was really upset. But you know, as time passed, I realized that was not for me because you know I was not ready for that job, mentally, emotionally, physically. I was not ready for it um, because I still at that point didn't realized that I had a problem with alcohol. Um, I guess subconsciously I was in denial. And um, so after I didn't get hired, I noticed that I my drinking increased even more. And I um, would have blackouts, but at this time, I would travel with friends. I would um, go to different places, um, visit friends in different states, and I would drink and I would black out. And I would say some of the most hurtful things to people. Sometimes it's not about, um, you know, things we do. You know, people get crazy when they they're drunk, they do all kinds of stuff. My problem was my mouth and my words. Um, and I, I hurt a lot of people. And um, so I, you know, like I said, the drinking increased. And for <clears throat> about two years, I, you know, was on and off drinking and just still volunteering with uh, American Council of the Blind organization and just really getting involved with it and loving the volunteer work. But yet, you know, anytime those feelings would creep up of something that I was upset about, old alcohol was my friend. It was right there. And um, so... Fast forward <clears throat> to 2023, um, I had uh, another opportunity to apply for another uh, the same position again. And I said, you know what? I'm ready this time because just two years later, I am a much more, I'm a mature person now. I've had a lot of experience. I've done this. I've done that. Within the organization, it's been great. 
Well, didn't get the position the second time. Second time, I was just dumbfounded. I, I, I drank again. I drank more. And I need to back up a little bit because that, um, that, that was actually after I had already came into AA. Um, so I need to back up. 2022, near the end of 2022, I was drinking more and really depressed I went through therapy therapy really wasn't helping I thought it was but well my therapist didn't know that I, I was still drinking I was drinking so she didn't know that um, I got to the point where I was cutting myself um, not wanting to live and I ended up in the hospital and um, that one experience in the hospital told me that I could never go through that again. I could not live that again. And you would think once they released me from the hospital that I wouldn't drink anymore, but I did. And this was November of 2022. And I will never forget it was my mother's birthday and what a way for your mother to have to worry about her daughter on her birthday. Um, but afterwards I got out and I drank, I still drink. Um, and December 23rd of 2022 was my bottom. Uh, honestly, I don't even remember what happened that day that made me feel emotions, whatever happened. I drank a lot. And I remember texting a friend and saying some of the most hurtful things imaginable. And the next day, that person let me know, because they had seen it for a long time. They saw where I was. They saw the trouble. But I guess it was God's timing that it wasn't meant for me, meant for them to say anything until that point. But the next day, they said to me, I don't trust you to visit me. I don't trust you right now because of your drinking. You got to get a grip on it. And I was so devastated. I honestly, besides the passing of my husband and the passing of my father, I'd never been that devastated. And it was Christmas and I stayed in bed. I didn't want to deal with anybody. I didn't talk to anybody. I cried. And I felt like I wrestled with God and said, what the hell do you want from me? What am I supposed to do? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And the day after Christmas of 2022, I got a, um, I don't know, it was that spiritual experience. It, it hit me like a lightning bolt. I 
sat up in bed and I was thinking of my friend and I'm going to say her name because she's here. Some people know her here all the time. My friend Lucy. And I don't know why I was thinking of her. At that time, I didn't know. Just said, call her. And I picked up the phone and I called her. And I was in tears and I said, Lucy, I don't know what's going on. But I do know that I need help. And this can't continue anymore. I don't know what to do. And for the first time ever, I said, I think I'm an alcoholic. And she said, I know what to do. I can help you. And she is the reason I, she and the other friend I spoke of are the reasons I'm in AA today. Um, because <sighs> I got into the program December 28th of 2022. And I remember coming to my first meeting here uh, early January. So I've been here for a little over a year. And I came in and I did the 90, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days, probably way more than that, because I, at that point, I was obsessed. I said, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do, I'm going to do everything I can to regain the trust of the people that I care about, that I let down. And it was all about me fixing it for them. And I did that, um, got a sponsor. And uh, within the first month or so, my sponsor uh, relapsed and let me down. So that was like, oh, is that a sign? I shouldn't be here. I got another sponsor and everything went great. Um, I was doing well. And uh, so the second time I applied for that same position in it was April of 23 when I did not get it. And that's when I relapsed. I was almost four months into the program, four months into AA. And I relapsed all because looking back, and I knew instantly, two days later after thinking about it, I knew you weren't meant for that job. Why? You are still not ready. Why? Because you were doing all of this stuff, AA, you're doing it for other people and not for yourself. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I've got to change my life. Others can't change me. I have to change me. But I can be in a program of people that can help me along the journey. And so I remember my sponsor telling me at the time, I want you to pour out all the alcohol you have. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I just bought this alcohol. So I, um, she said, I want to see you pour it out. And I poured it out. And that to me was a moment I'll never forget because that taught me then and there, what, what did you just, you just gave up three and a half months. And I don't, ever want to feel that again.
And so April 19th of 23 is when I started my journey again. Only this time, I decided I'm doing it for me and nobody but me. And has it been difficult? Absolutely, it has been. Um, this journey has been so tough at times. Um, I still feel the isolation. I still isolate when I should not. I still um, compare myself to others when I should not. I'm still insecure because of my childhood when I know I should not be. But I can say those moments are not nearly as often as they used to be. So I know it's a work in progress. And I know that this journey is going to have its highs and lows. And I had another low in August of last year. The, my second sponsor just up and gone. And I had shared so much with them, poured out my heart so much. And I was lost. I was at a turning point and I reached out to Lisa. And it's ironic how God works because when I first came to this meeting a year ago, I heard Lisa speak and I said, that's who I want as my sponsor. Didn't happen then, but it happened on God's time. And since August, I know <laughs> sometimes Lisa is ready to kill me because I don't do everything she asked me to do. But Lisa, I need you to know that I listen to you. I listen to the things you tell me, whether I do everything or not, but the things you tell me, I listen. And those things I've been taught are in my toolkit to help me through difficult times now when others hurt me or when I'm angry about something. I know that I don't have to turn to alcohol anymore to numb my feelings. I can deal with my feelings by picking up a phone and calling someone and saying, hey, I need to do a 10 step or, hey, do you have a few minutes just to talk? Those are things my sponsor has taught me that I did not have before. And I am so grateful for that. It just encourages me to know that I can do this. And with God's help and with this program and the people that are in this meeting that support me and my dear friends that are here that are not part of AA, but are part of the American Council of the Blind, I am. I feel like I am one of the most blessed people. Not everyone can say they have the support that I have, and 
Sometimes I feel like I don't deserve it. But despite how I feel, I'm going to grasp on to that and hold on to all of these people. And I, my journey is going to continue. I'm still a baby in this program. But I have a lot to do, and I want to do it. So with that said, I'm, I'm just going to wrap it up and just say this. Faith is my word. And I, I just stumbled upon this recently. Faith means fear ain't in this house. I am not afraid to keep going and moving forward in this program and bettering my life and improving my life. So with that, I just want to thank you all for listening and being here. And thank you for the time. God bless. And that was another fantastic speaker from AA Solution Seekers online group. Thank you so much for joining us as we continue to bring you great speaker one after another from Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Lisa. Thanks for joining us.